Hello, getting in here with a bonus episode today. And it's really funny, this bonus episode has come up uh, in part anyway, because of an interview that you won't hear until next week. But sometimes that's life, I guess. It's, I love this idea of podcast time where like I do things, sometimes I have to do things in a different order than you hear them, which I just find really amusing at some point. So, so next week, the guest I think is going to blow your mind. Uh, she's been a friend of mine for a really, really long time. And she's got some amazing ideas on education that looks different from like what we think of as education. And in to that end, I have been thinking a lot about reading and how kids learn to read, how we humans learn to read. And I, we did not, we really didn't get into this in our, in our conversation. It goes in a bunch of different ways and I think it's going to be super relevant for you. So I'm looking forward to bringing you that conversation next week. Today, I want to talk about reading, like the, the, the sort of to try and like make reading something that you see from a different perspective, maybe something actually that you see from your child's perspective. Uh, This is on a Thursday. It's, it'll go up on the Thursday after a just you and me episode. So in a way it is kind of a, it's like an echo of a your child explained episode. And, but I wanted to bring it up because it's September. It's the start of the school year. It's the time of year where assessments are being done and, and kids are sort of being critically looked at for like how far along the reading timeline are they? And I think from my personal experience on uh, as a teacher, as a young woman learning to be a teacher, preparing to be a teacher, and as a parent, I think that there, there are a lot of different opinions on how best to teach somebody how to read. And I, I guess I have some thoughts on that. So I want to share them with you. I think the first and most important <clears throat> aspect of this is how are we motivating kids to read? Is it, are we motivating kids by saying something akin to, you know, spinach is really good for you. And even if you don't like spinach, you should eat your spinach, which and that is certainly one way to try and motivate kids. I think it's, it's a terrible way. <laughs> if you think about your own learning, I mean, even if it's even your own learning now, you know, or if you can think back to like, what was it like when you learned to read when you first were able to decode print what motivated you? Like, were you a, were you a happy reader? Were you a person who sort of jumped in and went like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. Look at this. This is incredible. Look at all I can do now, all I can learn about now. Um, or, or were you like, well, okay, I guess I'll figure this out because everybody around me wants to. And I think as we've gotten further in time, I guess, it's become a lot more about the external kind of like, oh, my parent is telling me I better do this. My teacher is telling me I'm responsible for this. So I will try. And there's a kind of shutting down of, of inspiration, creativity, curiosity when, when that's what's happening. So if you see that happening with your child, I want you to first of all, acknowledge it. I think, I I mean, I'm asking you, like I, again, as I say a lot in here, 
I'm not standing across from you with my finger in your face. I, I feel like we are, I'm not a lecturer. That is not my job. I'm working to help you as part of your team of people who, who can, I mean, I can objectively see things both because of my teaching experience and also because I'm not currently in your situation. Uh, it's much easier, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and um, also standing next to somebody like a lateral view. That's also that, I mean, there's no good expression for it, but that's also kind of a twenty twenty where, where I can see things with clear vision that maybe you can't just because you're in it. It's so hard to see when you're in it. So what I think what I'm asking you to do is kind of acknowledge if your child is in a situation where the motivation for reading is not coming from within your child, if the motivation is coming from outside from because, because they're six years old and they, they got to get on the stick, um, then I would ask you to, at the very least, know that that is what's happening. Like acknowledge that for yourself and say, oh, I see this now. I see this clearly. And if that's the case, then I think our job becomes, as parents, our job becomes how do we motivate our kids? How do we make this motivating for them? And I have got a guide. This is it's so funny. This is one of the very first guides, possibly the first guide I ever made. And I know that because it's incredibly polished and beautiful because my husband, the 20 time winner of the husband of the year award, who, who makes this show sound so awesome. He also is a techie guy. So he helped me. He basically took my copy, my writing, and he turned it into this gorgeous, guide. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're going to be crying with the beauty of it or anything like that, but it's really cool. There's like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's got some appealing features about it. And, uh, I think it would be like, the reason I'm bringing it up is because it's one of the first things I ever put together as a guide. One of the first ways I ever tried to communicate with you and help you outside of the podcast. It possibly, as I said, the first one, and it's fantastic. Like I'm reading through this and I haven't really in depth read this guide now in like two years. And when I, when I put it together, I was really trying to think of like, okay, I've got listeners who their kids are just starting school. They are, you know, completely freaked out because it's, the expectations that you may you maybe have about school, it looks very different when your child actually goes to school or it can. And you may be getting feedback that your child is acting up, that your child is not able to focus, that your child is like all these things. And and I will we'll talk about this in a future uh episode. In fact, it's gonna be the subject of the third back to school guide episode, which will be up at the end of uh sorry, beginning of October, end of not end of September, beginning of October. And I really feel like a lot of parents just get slammed. They're expecting one thing and, and another thing happens when they when their kids go to school. And one huge concern that comes up for everybody is reading. Like the teachers are, try, are working hard to try and make sure that your child can decode print, can literally take like C-A-T. If we just think about that, you know, the, the, the what reading is, we all do this instantaneously. We don't, we don't think about it anymore. Once you're literate, you don't think about the, your mind just automatically does it. It knows how to do it. So I, and I, I think, I know this is a little bit of an aside, but the whole episode is an aside. So I I hope you'll indulge me. Um, I 
once had a mom when I was a preschool teacher who was incredibly worried that her like four-year-old wasn't going to be able to read was like not he was sort of failing at learning to read at four years old I mean I know people who are who are so incredibly literate who didn't learn to read until they were like 11 it's not it's not a it's not something that kids must do by a certain time it's it's not that so anyway this mom was incredibly worried about it and what I what I did was I asked her to focus on like all the cool stuff that's happening for him now that he's not a reader because our minds work in very different patterns. And before you can read, your mind, it, it, there, it's a special kind of moment in your child's mind, uh, in your child's development where they haven't learned how to decode print. I mean, imagine like the playfulness that comes with when you see a street sign and you don't know what it says. You know, you know the image and, you know, kids are really good at like manipulating things in their minds, playing with them. I, I mean, manipulating in a good way, like just moving them around and playing with them. And I, I'm, I've personally, I'm kind of fascinated with that. I'm, it, it's, it goes for me along the same lines as I'm fascinated with language development. One of my favorite things about working with young children is that, that they go through very similar stages of like what what they the mistakes they make in language so for example like reversing pronouns when um when a child wants you to give them something and they say give you because you would always say to them do you want me to give this to you <laughs> so they 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 reverse that that's a very small child just just learning you know maybe you'd see that in sort of the ages two to one to two kind of years two to three um it's fascinating to me and reading. So this is the second thing I want to talk about. The first one was motivation. The second one is that reading is a, a how can I say this? It's a, it's a, it's, it's not, you can't separate reading from communication. And, and I really feel like motivation and communication are utterly tied together. So let me just say, let me tell you about how my oldest learned how to read. Uh, he was in school. It was a really high pressure situation. He was supposed to be decoding print, quote unquote, supposed to be decoding print. And he wasn't yet. And he wasn't learning his quote sight words. And there are all these rubrics and like checklists and boxes that he was not hitting, that he was failing to hit. And, and I'm sure some of you know, what that language is like to hear that, you know, and it's, it's really scary. And my kid was only five. I mean, he was so not, he was so not a red flag, a kid who should have been sort of red flagged. And I guess he was probably yellow flagged because he, he wasn't one of the worst, you know what I mean? In terms of like, um, he didn't have a disability. There was no clear, uh, problem but he just wasn't wasn't learning to read like he just hadn't gotten it yet kind of a thing and the teachers were very worried about that and I I guess part of this for me is they're all worried and and I guess in 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 the school world I mean it's good to have somebody worry about your child um, it, take a concern in an interest in your child where I think this breaks down a little bit is 
when the worries become like, okay, you know, here's all the awful things that are happening with your child and here's the ways that they can't do this and they fail at that and they didn't meet this expectation and blah, blah, blah. And um, like what that did to me and I bet what it does to you is it makes you you look at your child almost as a damaged object, a, a you know, a, a, a person who cannot, who's already failing at something, you know, five years old and you already can't name all your colors or, you know, get the numbers in the right order or something like that. You, you reverse letters. You can't, you, you know, you, you can't even make letters, that sort of thing. There's so much negative language. Can't, won't, uh, doesn't, fails, you know, it's, 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 it's all negative. And I, I want you to think, instead of thinking about that, I want you to think about motivation. Why does my child want to learn to read? What is their motivating? What's in it for him? And communication, which again, as I say, they're just tied together. You can't have one without the other with reading. Reading is a mode of communication. And so what what Max, what motivated Max to finally break the code was a Game Boy game called Pokemon. I think it was Pokemon Yellow, uh, a game that he'd been given that he was thrilled with and he loved playing it, but he kept having to call somebody over when there was dialogue on the little screen. Uh, when to find out what this person was saying, he could not decode the print. Now he's five, maybe five and a half. And at the time, I should say too, I was fretting awfully because I was like, oh my God, he's so interested in this video game. He's not interested in anything else, which totally wasn't true. <laughs> he was interested in a lot of stuff, but he was very passionate about Pokemon. And luckily for him, the spring of his kindergarten year, I took him and his little brother on a trip uh, with my mom to visit my brother in New York City. And we also got to visit my cousin, Rosemary, who lived at the time in, in New York City as well. And she, um, she, we've talked about her on the show before. This is a long time ago. She's now the mom of a two-year-old, an absolutely adorable kid. And uh, we've seen her at family reunions. And she's just like an amazing mama. And I don't know, just awesome. So anyway, uh, at the time, she was not a mom. She was, in fact, a grown-up person who was, who also shared Max's passion of Game Boy and and um, and video games. And like, like I love my cousin Rosemary, and for her to be so into something that had frightened me so badly showed me that you know what, in fact, it's not a frightening thing at all. And so Rosie would sit with Max while we were in New York. We were only there for a couple of days, but like the the hour, you know, or three that she got to sit with Max. And, and and play this, watch him play this game, give him suggestions, take it over, you know, every once in a while and just like bond with him over this. And in addition to that, uh, she was sort of helping him decode print. She was helping him read. And I, I just, I went home from this like, holy mackerel, that's, that's what reading is all about. That's what he needs to be able to read. That's his motivation. And so I really eased up on the on the gameplay for him. Like I'd been letting him play, you know, 15 minutes a day or something like that. And I, and I, I tried to give him some more time because it was encouraging a passion of his. And, and then at the same time, he's getting books uh, about Pokemon. I can remember my mom reading every night she would come for a visit and she would read endlessly because Max wanted uh, Pokemon books read to him before bed, not chapter books, not story books, but like facts about different Pokemon. And, um, I think my mother was just like, kill me now. But but at the same time, she was like, I'm not going to have this forever. I've got this great bond with my kid and with my grandson and I'm not I'm not giving this up. And so um, 
I, I really think they have a very strong bond because of Pokemon. I mean, isn't that, isn't that funny to say? So these things that can worry us, it's a, when we're looking at it all from the negative, it's, it's just, it's, it's a kind of a bad scene. And I'm asking you not to do that. And I, when you do go to do that, I'm asking you to think of my son, who's now 17. And I mean, for, for, since he was probably eight or nine, I mean, he's been, you know, reading at a much higher than grade level level because because he'll read college texts he'll read something because it gives him information because it communicates something to him and if he doesn't understand some of the words you know we got google now so he'll 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 type it into google and figure it out or he'll he'll ask about it. like one of my favorite things is that what whatever they're reading leads to communication with us so they will come to us and they'll be like i i got to read you this passage from this book i'm reading because it's so hilarious i know you're going to laugh your butt off or they'll come to me and they'll say like did you know this crazy cockamamie thing is happening or or did you know that like, i mean i can't think of anything right so one was about um time travel so this is maybe two falls ago max took uh, a class in quantum physics and there's this thing called quantum entanglement which i will not get into but because of his reading and because of um his exposure to this idea of quantum entanglement we spent like a 45 minute car ride <laughs> with him telling me what quantum entanglement was and how we have managed to have something, not time travel, sorry, that's wrong, uh, travel from one place on earth to another place on earth, a place far away instantaneously. And it was just like a particle, but it it, it happened. I mean, it's it's a demonstrated thing. It's happened more than once. They've been able to replicate this more than once. And, and um, that's the kind of communication that I'm talking about. So when I'm titling this bonus episode, How We Learn to Read, and I think I'm going to I'm going to leave it there. But but the, the two the two ways, the two methods are the two key things, I guess, in reading, in how we learn to read. Like it's I actually got in here thinking I'm going to I'm going to explain about the decoding of print and I'm going to talk about like the 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 more sciencey aspects of it. Like there, for example, one thing I will say is there's a couple of different schools of thought about reading. And it's funny because there's this, um, I learned in grad school, there's this idea of a continuum. So on one end of this continuum, you've got this idea of phonics. Phonics reading, everybody's going to learn by spelling stuff out, sounding stuff out, learning these like, you know, when two vowels go walking, the first one does the talking, A before E, except after C, all that kind of stuff. That's phonics. And the idea that phonics is like the the you know the be all and end all of learning of read of learning to read that's one end of the continuum the other end of the continuum is the idea of whole language reading which is where you learn by sort of absorbing the gestalt if you know what gestalt is it's the idea that like you can see all these patterns and they all how they all fit together and like i almost think of it as learning reading by osmosis and i that's the other far end of the continuum. And in grad school, what we learned was, you know what? Everybody needs some combination of these things. So to jump on the whole language bandwagon and say, this is what every kid needs. Only this, just this, this. Um, or or to go to the other extreme and say, and there are, I think, I feel like the phonics, the pronunciation, the the rules, the like 
sort of logical approach to this has been the approach that schools have taken. And I think it's probably, I mean, this is a theory, but I think it's probably because that is, it's easier to test kids on what's their knowledge of phonics. And, um, and maybe, I don't know, if you know something different, get in touch with me because I, I'm fascinated by this, but, uh, that's what I have seen in, in like modern teaching of reading and neither whole language. So they're both very, they're both very, uh, follow this method and your kid will learn to read. Well, they both can ignore the most important thing that about reading. And, and this is why I said, I, I got into this saying, I'm going to describe this, you know, these different kinds of uh, methods of learning to read. And I'm going to talk about all that. Well, I realized as soon as I hit play or hit record that, that that's not what reading, that's not how we learn to read. We don't, learn to read either by osmosis or by learning the rules of reading. We we learn to read using both of those components to one extent or another. Uh, but we learn to read because it's really a question. Why do we learn to read? We learn to read because we are motivated to communicate or to have something communicated to us. And I think, I mean, I, I just... I think that's so important for you to understand going into the school year at the beginning of this year like this. And and that's why I did a bonus episode rather than kind of put it off until October, because I feel like there's a million things to talk about um, on We Turned Out Okay. And there's so many things that are relevant to you and important to you. And I always want to bring those things in. But I, I felt like this was important now because what's happening for you now is you're you're getting reports back that your child is not focusing that your child has all these red flags that your child you know isn't as but you know behaving or performing in terms of tests and writing and reading as quote expected and i i mean i i know this because i've heard from so many listeners and i've i've watched people like my friends and people you know kind of in in my facebook feed and in the news i've watched them all and I went through it myself with, with both of my kids. Um, I've watched them along this timeline of, of going from a child, a baby who doesn't speak to a, a really super accomplished reader who, who brings information in because, you know, has information communicated to them, but also uh, communicates out in the world based on reading. I mean, it really all starts with kind of literacy. It's how, it's how, I love this. It's like the idea, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but the idea that reading is communication that you always have, it never goes away. Like you can say something and fortunately now we can we can hit play again and we can listen to something again if it's recorded but if it's not recorded in that way we we can't number 1 and number 2 reading never goes away it's always there for you you can always open up a book and 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 reread what you've read you can always um once you have this tool it's awesome for communication and and um so that's that's really what today is about. Um, I have put together this guide, and I started talking about it at the beginning, right? Um, Six Ways to Help Your Kids Love Reading is the title of the guide. In my mind, for years, I've been thinking of it as the guide to happy readers. And it, it's it got six ways that you, six concrete things you can do, six ways for you to help your child not just learn to read, but become a happy 
reader, an engaged reader, somebody who really uses reading to communicate. And um, if you want that, I'm not even asking for your email address. I just I just want you to have it. Um, you can go to weturnedoutok.com slash readers. And I'm linking to that in the show notes for this bonus episode. And the other thing about this guide is I've got, uh, I've got these, I've got eight books that, that like you need. <laughs> it's like a gateway uh, intro to a, just fantastic books that I think will be really helpful as your child is coming up through the ages of like what we think of as traditionally learning to read. And that's all, you know, that's all part of the same guide. It's all at weturnedoutok.com slash readers. And I, um, while you're there, this is the last thing I wanted to leave you with. This is going up at the sort of mid, late September, mid to late September. And in the beginning of October, October the 2nd, which is Monday, I am starting another Streamline Your Mornings challenge. So if your mornings are insane, if if you feel like you, you can't get out of the house with everybody fed, with everybody what they need, you know, who's got gym today, who's got homework that they can't find or finish up, who's, who's lost a shoe or, uh, you know, a, a sock or something like that. Um, you can't, if you can't get out of the house on time with everybody's bellies full and everything that they need, um, you should consider joining this challenge. It's the Streamline Your Morning's five-day free challenge. It's the second time I'm running it. So I have learned some things, you know, I, it's, it's going to be better than the first one. And the first one was pretty great. Um, the feedback from the first one was awesome. We got, we, we had people who were like, for example, joining because they were 15 to 30 minutes late getting out the door every morning. And at the end of the challenge, uh, they were 15 minutes early. <laughs> like they were, this really works. And it's great too, because it also addresses the other issues. So there's two things I think that can be troublesome in not just mornings, but but in our in our parenting lives. One of them is getting someplace on time with everything you need. There's sort of the sort of practical part, right? But then there's when we put our kids on the bus or we drop them off at school or daycare or whatever, there's this worry that we have, like, you know, what's what's gonna happen to them today? I'm 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 saying goodbye and they're smiling and they're happy and they're adorable, but like what's <laughs> what's it gonna be like for them? Am I gonna get a child who comes home crying because something terrible happened at school today or, you know, uh, something terrible happened at daycare and our hearts go out to them. Like we just, we want to step in and solve everything and be there for them. And we can't always do that. And if you're feeling like that, like one participant in the last challenge in the, in the last, uh, iteration of streamline your mornings, one participant said, I feel like I'm throwing my daughter to the wolves. And, and that what the reason she was feeling like that is because her daughter was starting kindergarten. And so I addressed that in the challenge as well. Um, those those concerns. So if you've got concerns about like the the practical, how do we get all this done, you know, get everybody where they need to be on time. Or if you've got the more sort of nebulous worries about like life and parenting, um, I think you should join. And to do that, so if you go to weturnedoutok.com slash readers in the sidebar, you will see a picture of it says, click this link to join the Streamline Your Mornings Challenge, something like that. Or even if you scroll down to the bottom of that, of the page, the reader's page, um, just below the guide to happy readers that you can click on and just download, there's a, there's a sign up for the, um, 
streamline your morning's five-day free challenge. So so please, please do that. I I will say this too. The, the last time I did the Streamline Your Morning's Challenge, that was in all of the life of the podcast, that was probably one of the most rewarding weeks of my podcasting life because I was working both with people in the ninja parenting community, but also people who who joined because they just, you know, they saw it and they they thought it might be helpful. And it really was helpful for them. I mean, like I the feedback that we that I was getting, it, you also get entry into the We Turned Out Okay private Facebook challenge group, which um, that's where that's where a lot of the conversation kind of went on. And then you also at the end of that week, we do and we did do and we will do again, a Facebook Live Ask Me Anything that is just for challenge participants. Um, it's, I don't know, I mean, it was so rewarding to see in real time, like what effect the challenge was having on you guys. And also, I think for me, it was having an effect on me because that was a, the, a crazy week for me. That was the first week of uh, my, of a, of a new school, a new fall routine for us. And, um, so to, to be able to think about streamlining my own mornings, and I've talked to you before about how like there's, there's podcast Karen, she's really smart. She knows a lot of good, important hacks and, and, and ways to kind of like make parenting better and, and enjoy our, you know, family life more. But then there's like mom Karen, who, who has a tendency to forget what podcast Karen was saying. So this was kind of a melding for me of like both, which was really great. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, I really, really want you to be a part of it. If you've already done it, I mean, you know, um, get in touch with me and you can certainly do it again. I, I would love that idea. There's a, the, I've made a small change. There's a different Facebook group now. So um, anyway, think of that. You know, uh, if you if you did it and you enjoyed it and you want to do it again, please jump in again. I would love that. Um, and I think that's where I'm going to leave it today. I, I really appreciate you hanging out. I, this was, of co- as always, going to be like a 15-minute bonus episode and we're at... 29 minutes and <laughs> like 30 seconds. So um, I I hope this is helpful for you. And um, I just want to say thank you to you for listening, for um, for sharing the show, which I, I know a lot of you have been doing a lot recently. And um, I really, really appreciate it. I, I just think that it's so great when we can help each other out, when we can, when we can you know, do, do this together, go through this crazy parenting thing together. So, so yeah, reading the two things that we need to read, uh, to think about in terms of reading are uh, motivation and communication. That is why people learn to read and how we learn to read the outcome of, of our enjoyment of reading and our, what's the word, use of it, use of the skill is going to be enhanced or diminished by how we're taught. If we're taught that reading is about motivation and communication, then we're going to thrive. If we're taught that reading is about, you know, finishing this exercise and crossing off that, you know, uh, checking that checkbox and learning this phonics rule and learning that uh, way of, of patterning it, then it's not, not so much. I mean, like there's, we can either, we've got this, this is in our hands. We can either make or break this for our children. And, um, you know, I know you want to, I know you want your child to use reading as to think of reading, not as some crappy thing that they have to do, but as like, I'm leaning forward. I am into this. This is important. It's, it's fun. It's, 
satisfying my curiosity about the world around me, all that, all that good stuff. So, so um, if you're still concerned about uh, how to do this, go to weturnedokay.com slash readers and get your guide to happy readers. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, I also want to have a thank you. I have, have a special thank you today for our producer, the man who makes this show sound incredible and just keeps on crushing it. <laughs> the 20 time winner of the husband of the year award, Benjamin Culp. Thank you so much again for listening and we will see you next time.